Let's bow our heads, please. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to come before you and be with you in prayer. And we pray now for the upcoming lesson that you will just bless us with your presence, with your word, with the things that you'd like to say to us. Lord, we lift up to you, Ronnie, right now. We pray for her, uh, that you will help her to lift her spirits, at the very least to let her know that your presence is very evident, that that she will sense your presence, that she will sense that you indeed are trying to comfort her right now during this very tough time for her. Lord, you know that um, Ronnie has been through all kinds of things when she had to deal with her husband, uh, and a lot of that that was going on was being done just basically on adrenaline, just moving back and forth, to and fro. And now she has the time to reflect upon all of the things that have happened and reflect upon the loss itself. I pray that you will comfort her and give her peace right now. I pray that you will strengthen her and that she will be able to come back out and fellowship with us as well too. And Lord, just we just thank you for how you look after us and you care about each and every one of us. But yet you challenge us to pray for each other. And we indeed, Lord, want to lift her up to you right now. We give you thanks for all these things and we ask them in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. Lesson number seven, we're continuing on the discussion about undeserved grace. And we want to thank all of those who were participating this morning to put together the uh, delicious Christmas breakfast. So let's give them a woohoo and a shout out and all that good stuff too as well. Um, because there's nothing, is that you too? Were you involved with that? Oh, you did it? You did the whole thing? Okay. Well, uh, we'll, we'll give a, a little shout out to you for that. Okay. Um, and, and, and just to, to let you know that uh, these are all labors of love. Um, we, we have a great group of people who really do care about making sure that the, the fellowship and the body is being well taken care of. So we want to thank, thank them again for their efforts. It was delicious. I didn't eat a lot of it, but what I did eat, what I did touch, good stuff. Eggs, ham, and grits. Uh, that's a great combination in any book, okay? All right, let's go ahead. Now, just to let you know, we are, we're talking about, we've had this in continued discussion about God being, and, and his asking the question, is he fair? And we, we basically came back and said and concluded in previous discussions that it's not about fairness at all. It's not about God being fair. It's about him being just. And to continue on that discussion, we were going into Lesson 7. And when we, if you look on page 1, in the bold section down below where it says, Grace is free and undeserved favor. It is unmerited kindness. God's grace is something that he gives to us. We don't have any control over it. We don't have any way of buying it. We don't have any way of selling it. It strictly is something that he has done for us. He gives us grace and unmerited favor. And the reason why he does that, unmerited kindness, is because he loves us. The grace comes from people who, someone who loves us. He loves us in spite of who we are and what we have done and what we continue to do as a people. He loves us unconditionally. It's caught on the Okay, so we just want to keep that in mind as we look at this in greater detail. We go to 2 Corinthians 8, 9, and this is again a refresher for for those who have been with us before, but for those who haven't, 
I want you to look at what this passage says. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And what we see about the contrasting words about the unfairness of grace, it says that even though he was rich, he made himself poor for us. Do you know any people that you come in contact with or or deal with who would go out of their way to make themselves poor for your sake? After having something? And the answer is no, you really don't know anyone like this because there's no one that can compare to what Jesus Christ has done for us. And how does Galatians 3.13 describe grace? Galatians 3.13. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Now, we need to understand that he became sin for us in order to fulfill being a living sacrifice, dying on the cross for us. This entire stage was set throughout The entire Old Testament was something that was planned from the beginning. It's even referenced uh, when you go all the way back to Genesis, if we've done that before. We know that this is something that was always planned for us because Jesus knew, God knew, we needed to have a Savior. This whole practice of sacrifices in the Old Testament and um, sacrificing animals and following a standard that God had set for the purposes of sin and redemption, was basically just the beginning to show that we really can't experience true grace and forgiveness without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's what we need to understand here. That was the need for this new covenant that Jesus came and did for us. The new covenant. Rather than the old covenant, just sacrificing animals and blood sacrifices and all that. The new covenant. Jesus paid for our sin once and for all time. Very important for us to see. That is grace. That is grace and kindness because of his love for us. John 3.16 says it. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God loves his creation. Now, does God love all the things that we do as his creation? Of course not. And those things that we do ruin our fellowship with him. But he loves us enough that he decided to do this eternal sacrifice for us at one time for all time, for all eternity. That takes care of that sin that we perform, that we do. And we commit on a daily basis. Amen?
We need his sacrifice. Jesus became poor so we would become rich. He became cursed to remove our curse. There's nothing fair about it. Let's start with that. Nothing to do with fairness. That's something that he did on his own. But we have to understand that it's something that he voluntarily did. And we talked about this briefly last week. Remember the disgruntled early morning workers from Lesson 7, or Lesson 6, excuse me, where they grumbled about the wage received, perceiving it as unfair. Do you wonder if they ever considered it was an undeserved privilege to be employed in the first place? They overlooked the grace that they were given just to gaze on what they saw as unfair. In other words, they were looking well beyond where they should have been looking. Rather than looking at what somebody else is making, be blessed because you've got a job. That's the first thing. Because not everybody has a job. It's not a given that you're going to get a job. The moment you get caught up in worrying about what somebody else is doing is the moment that you're taking the focus off of what is really important. They overlooked the grace they were given just to gaze on what they saw as unfair. And understand something. Unfairness is a perception and not always a reality. Unfairness is a perception. It's what you make a decision about. How often do you consider what you've received from God that you don't deserve? There are a lot of things that you receive from the Lord that you don't deserve at all. How often do you consider that? Do you give it consideration? Now, you can rationalize this all the way you want to and say, well, you know what? I've, I don't have a whole lot going for me right now, but you, but you have your life. You have your health. You may not be 100%, but you got something. You're able to function. So when you make a list down below where it says, I have received from God this, I have received from God, I have received from God. Did you make a mental list or did you actually write some things down? What have you received from God that you just don't believe you deserve? I'll give you a, a hint. Everything. Everything. Everything that you've received, you don't necessarily deserve it, but you have it because God has given it to you or allowed you to have it, and it is something that is done because of His grace. He chose you to live in this day and time. You had nothing to say about that. You had no control over that. And that's something we always need to keep in mind. When it's really important sometimes for us to go back to the basics as far as where we are as a people and where we are as human beings and where we are in this existence. And the fact is, is that we don't deserve anything. We're not entitled to anything. You know, you, you will hear conversations from the present generation Say, well, I deserve to have this. I deserve to have that. I should get this. I should get that. Well, that's still a perception. But you really don't deserve anything. 
That may be a hard or harsh reality, but it's true. There were people in Indonesia that got killed yesterday because of a typhoon. Did they deserve that? No. It works both ways, you know. You have to understand that. Those things that happen, we don't foresee them happening. We don't understand why they happen. But it has nothing to do with deserving it or not deserving it. It has to do with everything about how God is just operating in his sovereignty. So when you get right down to it, you don't deserve anything. But are you not blessed anyway? Amen? Are you not being blessed? Do you not have ways that you can look? Look, we've made it to a Christmas season together. And we share gifts and we share cards and we share greetings. That in itself is a blessing. That you can do that. It's a blessing. Amen? So without getting too heavy and deep about it, we need to understand that this grace that we receive from the Lord is unmerited. We don't do anything to earn brownie points with God. We're not earning brownie points. You can't earn brownie points. All he wants is your obedience. Amen? He wants your obedience. He just wants you to be obedient to him. That's really all he asks of us. And that obedience has, is a long list of things that come with that, but he just wants you to have a heart of obedience. And that obedience including, it also includes sharing the love of Christ with others. When you review your list, can you can see that none of you, what you wrote or even thought about is an entitlement. It's what you received, not what you have achieved. Yeah, we go to school, and we go to school to get high school diplomas and college degrees and all that, and those in themselves are certainly achievements. But we have to also come back to the fact that without the God allowing us to be able to do these things, we won't achieve them. You have to be alive to be able to do these things. You have to be able to sit upright and study by God giving you the ability to do so, to achieve these things. That's really getting down to the basics, isn't it? That's getting down to brass tacks. We've been given so much, but sometimes we stare through the missing pieces of our lives and only see our pain and loss. Pain and loss. Now, this is in no way, shape, or form to diminish this pain and loss because it's real and we do experience it and we should understand that those things are always going to happen. In other words, I'm not telling you, get a stiff upper lip just because you're going through pain and loss, suck it up and deal with it. That's not at all what this is about. Not in the least. Now you will have some people discipling you that may try to tell you something like that. And I would go, that's a no-no. That is not discipling anyone. That's not encouraging anyone. That's not helping anyone through a tough situation. 
Remember, the most important thing that you can do sometimes when someone is suffering is keep your mouth shut and just be a presence and encourage them while they work through the pain and the loss. That's what we need to understand. Remember, this class is not just for us, per se. It's for information when we are counseling and speaking to other people about the Lord or counseling them through tough situations. That's what we need to understand here. We're not telling anybody to suck it up and deal. But we do want to help people to work through those situations of pain and loss, just as you have to work through them, and ask God some questions. We wonder in the deepest part of our souls, do I really deserve this difficulty? But do you ever ask yourself, do I really deserve how good God is to give me grace, forgiveness, and peace? That helps you to work through that loss and pain a little bit. I may not have this, but I have everything else. I may not have a good situation here, but I have a great deal because I know Jesus is with me. You see what I'm saying here? This is not a psychological test. It helps you to move forward when you have pain and suffering. What do most people do when they are having difficulty with pain and suffering? They're not moving forward. They're stuck in their pain. And so sometimes we have to give words of encouragement to other people to help them. Now look, for some types of pain, like rape or abuse, you never get rid of it. It's always there. It's not going anywhere. You're not going to forget it ever happened. But how does a person move on with their life? The grace and love of Jesus Christ. You have to go back and focus on what you do have, what you still have, what you can do, how you can move forward by recognizing Christ's presence. The author of this text wrote about C.S. Lewis. He wrote, goodness is either the great safety or the great danger according to the way you react to it. That is very true. People have different responses to different situations. It might be the same situation, but they may respond differently. And I think God wires some of us to be able to really just kind of deal with a lot. And some of us are wired in such a way where we can be helpful with others in the midst of a great deal of pain and difficulty. Well, those are the people that God wants to really make sure that they're communicating with others to encourage them. We need to understand that. Y'all just staring at me today. I'm just going to keep going. The reaction to the goodness of the landowner who employed the morning workers was not so good. The laborers grumbled about the unfairness. If this parable had a sequel, chances are they wouldn't be hired again. Their reaction to the master's goodness put them in danger of unemployment. As you think about that, ask yourself the following questions. What kind of reaction to the goodness of God's grace brings you safety? 
Now, I, I just asked this question, but I just thought of something. In, in, the, in the employment world, employees who complain all the time are the first ones to get laid off. I'm telling you, that is a fact. They usually are the first ones to lose their jobs because no one wants an employee who is always negative, always around, and causing trouble. Now, there's this little secret list in human resources for these complainers. Some of them are smiling because they know exactly what I'm talking about. There's no hard, fast list, but I'm telling you right now, whether it's a mental list or a little something, as soon as there's a workforce reduction, guess who gets axed? People who cause trouble. I mean, that's just the reality of it. You can call it fair or unfair. Guess what? It ain't fair. It's probably just for the other people who are working there trying to work hard and earn a living. Because people who complain affect company productivity. I don't care what company it is. I don't care if you're building widgets or pushing paper. Complainers affect productivity. It affects the workplace. It affects the lifestyle and environment of your company. So yeah, these folks who are complaining about their little, I didn't didn't get as much as so-and-so did, they probably wouldn't get another job. It's amazing how reality hits you right in the face sometimes when you see stuff like this. Rather than being blessed that you have a job and showing up every day and working the best you can, you're going to woof and make noise. Unfortunately, a lot of people do that. Everybody who's still working knows exactly what I'm talking about and has encountered that very thing in the workplace because there are a lot of them out there. Okay, back to the question. What kind of reaction to the goodness of God's grace brings you safety? Safety. And the other question here is, what kinds of reactions to God's grace brings you danger? It's going back to what C.S. Lewis said. Goodness is either the great safety or the great danger according to the way you react to it. So those are the questions. Now go down below. Fill in the blank, following blanks with either safety or danger. I use those words. Not noticing grace brings me blank because I could have a sense of entitlement. Danger. Very good. Look at that very carefully. Not noticing grace brings me danger because I could have a sense of entitlement. That's very true. You have an expectation now that what you're doing is not have anything to do with God's grace. It has everything to do with your own ability. And because you are doing and working so hard and doing all this stuff, I deserve to get this. Remember what we say, you don't deserve anything. Yes, go ahead. You had your... Go ahead. Yes? Yes. That's right. That's exactly right. It's on your perception. I deserve. I deserve this. That's right. So when they go to tell you something, the first thing I say, well, don't you deserve this? Yeah. That's right. Oh, T 
TV commercials do it all the time. Um, the fact is, I've heard it actually say, you deserve this in the copy of the commercial. If it's a new car or an Audi 5000 or whatever, you know, whatever they're selling, it doesn't make any difference. It, you deserve this. You know, I hate to even get back to an old jingle. You deserve a break today. So get up and get away to McDonald's. I mean, it's almost to hit you in the face when you say that, but that's what they, that was a jingle. That was, yeah, now, now that's true. It, if that's all you could do is go to McDonald's and there's your break. <laughs> but going back to the point about this thing about entitlement, thanks for lightening it up a little bit. I appreciate it. Everybody's just so heavy today. Um, we're not entitled to anything. We are blessed. We have God's grace. That's what we have to come back to. Let's do it in a couple more of these. Getting used to grace brings me blank because I could see myself as spiritually elite. Danger. Now, should you ever get used to grace? No. No. We have a funny way of thinking, us human beings. We can take theology and turn stuff around and make it in such a way where there's a certain thing that we have an expectation of. God's grace is, remember, unmerited, undeserved. You better not get used to it. That's not what it's about. Because it could, you could see yourself as spiritually elite. What is spiritually elite? What do you think that means? Pardon me? It's non-existent. It is a figment of your imagination. That's true. You can make an argument. It's like you think you're better than some other Christians because you think you've got this whole thing figured out. Whereas you, pardon me? It's a Pharisee. That's very good. That's a Pharisee. That's a Pharisaical way of thinking because that's exactly how they behaved back in the day. Yes. We all go through that because I think if we're all honest with ourselves, if we look at ourselves and our knowledge and our minds, we would all say we're genius. We could figure out things. Yeah. Just listen to me, I can help you out. That's right. I think we naturally go through that. Yep. But having to realize that we're not humbling ourselves. That's right. Yep. Absolutely right. One of the most important challenges for all of us as believers is humility. In this whole way of thinking. I got a great shirt that I picked up from a company that Active Faith, they always sell these, these shirts that have messages on them. The message I got was, pray hard, play hard, stay humble. Stay humble. Because God's giving you the ability to do what you do. But you ain't special, so stay humble. Okay? Go ahead, I'm sorry. 
take nothing for granted. Absolutely. No, that's right. That's how we, we, we eliminate this whole idea of being spiritually elite. We're not taking anything for granted. And nor should we. Things happen quickly. Amen? Stuff happens. We're glad Miss Laura's here today. Amen? I wasn't trying to, you know, put you on full blast, but, I mean, whenever I hear about somebody taking a tumble, that ain't cool. It's not good. And, and something that it's, you don't take anything for granted. You just pray that everything works out. You get healed. The Lord is gracious to heal. And here she is. Praise the Lord. Okay. Being humbled by grace brings me blank because I see who I am. That's safety. Yeah. That's, good. That's, that's a pretty good one, too, to always keep that in mind. Safety. Being humbled by grace. We're humbled because we recognize that we don't, if we recognize we don't deserve a thing that we have, and we look at what we do have, we just say, thank you, Jesus, and praise him. That should be the reaction. That should be the reaction. And especially, I hate doing this sometimes, but sometimes it's so appropriate. You know, we talk about, people talk about how bad things are. And I always come back and tell them, well, you know what, someone else may have it worse. Because usually that's the case. Someone else, maybe someone you know, may have it worse. And when you think of it that way, you stop dwelling on how bad you have it. Because if you're being humble, you'll know by the grace of God, I can pray for this other person who doesn't have what I have. You see where this is going? You are truly living outside of yourself and not dwelling on yourself and dwelling on what you don't have, but what you do have. And we have a lot. We have a great deal. We have a lot of power and energy in our ability to pray for this country, for this nation, for this neighborhood, for the people in your family. A lot of folks need encouragement. What do we spend time doing at the beginning of this class? We're praying for Ronnie. She needs encouragement. And I know there's no one in this room who won't pray for Ronnie. You won't be so focused on yourself, I ain't got nothing, that you wouldn't you know, even think of doing something like that. Being grateful for grace brings me blank because I take what I get and don't complain. That's safety. Take what you get and don't complain. We just hired someone in our office, um, and this person is glad to be working. Now, she's not making as much money as other people in the company, but she's glad she's working. You follow what I'm saying? You have to start somewhere. And for those people who are just getting out of college and they got loans to pay, guess what? That's a great thing, working. Because that bill comes due whether you're working or not, in most cases. But it's being grateful for what you have and not complaining about it. Would you like to earn more money in the future? Who wouldn't? 
Of course you would. It's a natural thing to have that way of thinking. You should want to do better and achieve more, and you are compensated for that. You ever had anybody at your company, they get hired, they show up for one day, and then they leave? Yes. Yes, they do, because they're completely unsettled about what they're doing. Thinking I deserve God's kindness brings me blank because I can develop pride. Danger, because you don't deserve God's kindness. You understand that? Deserving God's kindness, that's not how this is. If he loves you unconditionally, that means he loves you in spite of who you are. Never accepting God's grace brings me blank because I live without hope and God. Danger. Isn't it interesting it says about accepting God's grace? Did you know that you had to accept it? You have to accept his grace. You have to accept his kindness. You have to accept his mercy. It's in your mind to do those things. But you can refuse all of them. People refuse him all the time. I didn't know I had an audience behind me. Sorry about that. People refuse him all the time when they do what? They don't acknowledge Christ in their lives. That means you're refusing to accept his grace. You're refusing to accept his forgiveness. You're refusing to accept his kindness. Now, we as believers still can do those same things in how we approach life. It's a life approach. You know, when you become a believer, it doesn't just stop at becoming a believer. There's more that you do in this being a believer. There's more to life than just sitting up and saying, well, I have, I have Christ in me. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Yeah, okay. And? You see where I'm going with this? And? In the activity you just completed, put a star next to the statements that best represent your reaction to God's grace in your life. Now, I'm not, you could do that on your own time. If you've got stars next to where it says danger, you've got some issues. <laughs> Let's just leave it there. And there's room for improvement. Because you shouldn't be starring anything that has danger in that same area. Now, if you do, here's what you need to do. You need to be praying to God about helping you with this very subject. Will he not, because he has grace and mercy and kindness and is a forgiving God, will he not help you with this issue? Absolutely. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. He loves you even though you feel unloved. Even if you're unloved by other people in your life, he loves you anyway. 
And you may be unloved by other folks in your life. But that's not the point. If he's all you got, you got a lot. But people need to see that and understand that. Now that's the second bell, which means I have to stop. So we'll pick up with this next week and finish this lesson. But I want you to understand the importance of seeing that this whole thing about grace and mercy and accepting it is truly something that you have to do. It's always going to be there. It always has been there. It's always available to you. But when the worries and cares of this life get you down, you have to circle back and say, God, I still have a lot. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us to have a brief discussion about your grace and your mercy and your loving kindness, your presence. Lord, as we think more and more about who we are, we know we don't deserve any of this grace and mercy that you give to us. It is unmerited. There's nothing that we can do to achieve it. There's nothing we can do to obtain it. You just want us to understand, Lord, that it's available for us if we choose to accept it. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this greater understanding. We thank you for allowing us to be able to press through difficult issues when we recognize how much we really do have and how we're blessed. Help us, even in our conversations with others, to be an encouragement. To not tell someone just to suck it up and deal, but to tell them that you are loved in spite of what's happening. That you are being given grace and God wants to continue to shower it upon you. We pray for deeper understanding of this subject. We also pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll pick up next week and finish this off.